Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by Texas Electricity Ratings. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton. Tell us where you're checking in from, what you're drinking this morning. We are 21 days away from football, and we got some team stuff to talk about. We got recruiting stuff to talk about. And Jerry, let's start with that recruiting, as you had a a busy day yesterday over on on TexasFootball.com. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've seen a lot of people checking in from uh, Colleen and uh, so uh, so many cool places, man. Memphis, Tennessee from a classroom. That's pretty cool. <laughs> UT boy, good morning. Uh, Springfield, Oregon. So, yeah, I, w- I hit the I was up in DFW uh, back up here again uh, today. Um, uh, Belton. Uh, hope, uh, but uh, yeah, so stop by North Crowley, Cedar Hill. Um, Dallas Skyline and one unnamed school uh, that we'll talk about at a later date. Uh, but uh, it, it was it was an amazing day yesterday. Uh, it was a large event of large humans and really fast football players. Uh, and, and we can break it all down, guys. Um, you know, I want to start kind of with Cedar Hill though, because uh, Cedar Hill was a first for me, Bobby. I mean, I'm 20 plus years in. Ethan Burke took me to a lacrosse practice. Um, uh, the offensive lineman from Vandergrift at Clemson took me to a rugby practice. But yesterday I saw triplets, all with Division One offers. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to start with the smallest because Isaiah Coleman said the first one born is always the smallest in triplets. So Isaiah Coleman – is a mere six one and a half two seventy five. He's got off from Texas Tech and UTSA, interest from Houston, a lot of other programs. His two brothers, um, younger brothers, younger brothers, by minutes, yeah. have been offered by Texas. That's uh, the other, the second smallest guy of the three. Devin Coleman, offensive lineman, defensive line turned offensive lineman. That's where he's being recruited. Yeah, he's six four and a half three twenty. Um, and you know, he had a rough day yesterday. He only got up 550, 560 on the squat rack in, in, in the uh max out day. And the reason I say that was a rough day because uh Jordan Coleman, the third triplet, 6'5, 362, squatted 600 pounds to close out the Cedar Hill athletic period when I was there. So, this is the first time 
in my two decades plus in this business that I've covered triplets who are all legitimately Division I football players. And, oh, by the way, aren't you glad you don't have that grocery bill? <laughs> 920 pounds of children. <laughs> right. How many loaves of bread did they go through in a day? And gallons of milk. Oh. I, I can't even imagine. Hey, I, it looked at, hey, Jerry, in, in all, I mean, we know Texas, uh, uh, Jordan and Devin or, or Texas, Kyle Flood definitely want those guys. Uh, it looked to me, though, like Cedar Hill was absolutely loaded with young talent. I mean, they based are. on what you, some of the posts you made on there, uh, but they can't even get out of district, really. I mean, they do because, well, they're, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, so, but yeah, it's like they're just, they're in a, they're stuck between, you know, Team A and Team B in the state of Texas right now. That's right. So on TexasFootball.com, I put uh, – there's some photos of all the Cedar Hill kids. So they have a freshman that caught my eye yesterday, uh, Jalen Brewster. So that's 2027. 6'3", 273. And he scored a touchdown playing running back in a playoff game this year. So he's the old, he's the classic, I'm a running back. No, you're not. You're going to be a DN and eventually a 310-pound athletic D-tackle. Um, so that one caught my attention. Then they have a couple of 2026 guys, one of them being Sir Nathaniel Young, who's 6'4", 245, with an 80-inch wingspan and 10-inch hands, has California UNLV offers. I mean, they, had, they have a, another offensive lineman that's been offered by Colorado. Uh, so they have a they have a number of large humans freshman class. They have another edge kid that's supposed to be tremendous. He wasn't there yesterday. He's supposed to be really really good. Uh, their problem is they're in the uh, as Blake Monroe coined it the district of doom. Uh, so they go all the way to the regional finals last year. Have a good year, but they played Desoto Desoto Duncanville in their district. Obviously Desoto Duncanville win state. So. Um, that is an unbelievable district. I, I was talking with uh, Elijah Barnes, head coach at Skyline yesterday, Jacoby Coleman, who was a played at linebacker at Iowa out of Beaumont Westbrook years ago. Um, and we we're talking. I said, I bet there's 120 or more division one future division one football players south of I-20, starting at Wilmer Hutchins and going all the way to North Crowder. I bet there's 120 to 150 future Division I football players just in the, that area from Wilmer Hutchins to North Crowley, south of I-20. Unbelievably talented area. The only area more talented in the country right now is the metro Atlanta area. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, I mean, look, there, you've got triplets. That is a first for me, too, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I've been doing it 30 years. Yeah. I've never heard of triplets. So... You know, more power to them. You you made your way uh, over to uh, North Crowley and Skyline. Tell us a little bit about Bo Barnes at Skyline because that's been a, a guy that yeah. Steve Sarkeesian and his staff uh, have kind of identified from the outset and kind of uh, honed in on. Yeah, by the way, good morning from uh, Lumberton, Texas. Uh, somebody checked in from Lumberton. Hey. Um, look, yeah, so Elijah Bo Barnes, he's one of my favorite recruits in this class. Um there just aren't many, and I watched a track practice yesterday at Skyline, um, and 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 they have some guys that can run, obviously, and the girls can really run over there. The uh, it, what's interesting is the track, the the women's track coach at Skyline, she was a Division One runner. Her son is the linebacker JJ Shelton in twenty five, who was at Texas Junior Day. He goes to South Oak Cliff, uh, but on Elijah Barnes, 
Elijah Barnes, 6'2 and a half, closing on 6'3, 225, 230 pounds. He ran 11.1 last year at 210, 215. So, I mean, he can really run. Um, he's got long arms. Great kid, man. I mean, like, you know, a thoughtful kid has has great things to say. Same with Jordan and Devin. Uh, just Isaiah, great kids. Uh, Elijah Barnes, really impressive. His father played at New Mexico. Um, his, his older brother just signed with Arkansas State. I think Texas is in a really good position for Elijah Barnes. Uh, he was at January 20, Junior Day. He, there, I just put up the story on ontexasfootball.com if you want to see his quotes and comments on Johnny Nansen and what Steve Sarkeesian uh, has been telling him. It, it was interesting. He had a – I left the skyline about 6'10 yesterday, and he had a 6'15 uh, phone call with Steve Sarkeesian uh, scheduled. So he talked with Sark last night. Um, after I left, but it just, I think Texas is in a really good spot for him right now. And, and look, he's going to go through the process. He's going to visit Ohio state in March. He's going to go out to Oregon. Um, he went to A&M, Texas and Oklahoma junior days. He'll be back at Texas in March. He'll officially visit in June. Uh, but you know, what Sark said to him was interesting in talking about, he thinks he can be a vocal leader of the, of, a, of the Texas defense and how well he fits in the defensive scheme. Uh, the other interesting thing uh, to his position coach at Skyline is Peter Jenkins, former Texas linebacker. The secondary coach at Skyline is Christian Scott, former. Obviously, both those guys were highly recruited Skyline players uh, that played at Texas and are back at Skyline. Like I said, the head coach, Jacoby Coleman, played at Iowa from Beaumont Westbrook. Bobby, he agreed with me. Chip Ambrose is the best player that never played college football because uh, so, he grew up in Westbrook watching those guys. Uh, but, yeah, I think Elijah Barnes is a big-time, big-time talent. And, and one of the things that Coach Coleman and I talked about yesterday uh, was this. You really know who's a top, top kid nationally when all the head coaches come see him in January. Sarkeesian, Ryan Day, Mike Norvell, you just go down the list. All those guys were at Dallas Skyline, Mike Elko. All those guys came through Dallas Skyline. Uh, to, to see Elijah Barnes in January and then that first couple days in February. So I think Texas is in a good spot there. By the way, Cedar Hill offensive line coach, Marcus Hutchins, former Texas offensive lineman, had a great discussion with him. I think he's actually going to join us for our Longhorn live stream Wednesday night, guys. And Marcus is going to talk to us about Devin and Jordan Coleman. They went against Colin Simmons and Alex January. They've gone up against Elijah Barnes and that District of Doom, as Blake calls it. Um, so, yeah, it was a great day on the road. Uh, then I was at North Crowley as well. And North Crowley, I'm just telling you, absolutely loaded program, guys. I've said before, John Turntine the third, and I put up photos of him on ontexasfootball.com uh, yesterday. He's 6'5", 305, 82, 83-inch wingspan, 10-inch hands, unbelievable skinny ankles. Um, personal record 48-11 in the shot uh, last weekend. Uh, unbelievable kid, wants to be a neurosurgeon. Um, he's he's going to be in contention for the top spot in his class academically at North Crowley. But I'm telling you, when I, I talk about loaded program, Duncanville handled them in the state semifinals, as they should have. That Duncan team was, Duncanville team was special. But uh, North Crowley's going to get one. Coach Ray Gates does a great job. It's similar. He's doing what I've watched North Shore do for years. When you have a lot of talent, you have to be very disciplined with those guys. And a lot, very disciplined, very focused. Sark uses the word obsessed, right? 
I think that I saw some of that with Gates yesterday at, at North Crowley in their offseason workout. But look, they had a they had a corner that just moved in. He was a freshman at Terrell. He moved to South Georgia for two years. Okay. He just moved back to Dallas and they're in North Crowley. He had a Georgia offer his sophomore year. Playing at South Paulding. So rich get richer there, right? Uh, but I, I think North Crowley has upwards of 15 Division I players there right now wow. in all their classes. Quarterback nice. submitted to TCU as a slot receiver. The running back's going to run 10-5. He's an undersized guy, but he's fast. Um, they have another offensive. Their left guard has like seven or eight power five offers. Um, they had a couple of freshmen that look really good that are going to play D-line as sophomores. Uh, that's, that's a program, and they just passed a huge bond there. They're going to have an $85 million indoor practice facility and track. So they'll be hosting the track meets when it's cold weather coming up. So very smart there of uh, Fort Worth uh, ISD and that bond passed and they have some big time facility upgrades coming. Wow. Uh, Jerry, that sounds like a fun day. Oh, I, forgot, I forgot the highlight. Bobby, sorry. So you know who was there? I told you this. This was crazy. Uh, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank now. Uh, uh, Wilson, the former John Tyler head coach. Oh, oh, Alan Wilson was there? And yeah. Dallas Carter. So he works for Texas UIL. So he happened to be there that day, yesterday at North Crowley. And what did I have to ask him about? David Warren. So Alan Wilson won a state championship at within John Tyler High School. Uh, and he had he coached David Warren, Gary Baxter, all those guys. Mark Broyles, who went to AM. Uh, Gary Baxter obviously went to Baylor over Texas and played corner in the NFL for years. But David Warren was – Bobby, I mean, he was the first, like, Gatorade National Player of the Year out of Texas. He kind of changed recruiting in Texas. And it's interesting because, obviously, uh, he's related to Earl Campbell. Um, and it, it was so interesting kind of to turn back the clock on that recruitment and, and how all that went down and how recruiting's changed. Because, I mean, he had the number one player in the country at a time where recruiting was just starting to take off, right, Bobby? I mean, that was really the start of all this business. It's crazy that I, I remember going up and watching those guys play. They played at the Astrodome uh, one afternoon and just literally ran over uh, the team that they were playing. David Warren was on that team. Uh, David had some issues once he got to Florida State that were health-related, right. even off-the-field health-related at times. Um, and so he didn't he never really became the player that he could have been. But that was a big time recruitment that came down to Florida State and Texas. And if you remember at that time, Jerry, Florida State was the one of the best programs in the country. Bobby I think was the coach, right? Yeah, Bobby Bowden was the coach. 14 years of top four performances, yep. 14 years in a row. They finished in the top four. Uh, so, you know, that was that was interesting. They were. Uh, the group of the groups, uh, if that makes sense. At that time, hey, I, I want to say this real quick. We had three new scholarship offers go out uh, yesterday uh, for are from the University of Texas. Adonis Curry, Jerry, a cornerback out of Lancaster, California. Uh, he ran a 10.67, 100 meter. He is a long, lean guy, 6'2", 175. Uh, he is a guy that they like as a corner, apparently, and can really run. If you watch his highlight video. You know they're fast, guys, when they run out of the screen on you. You know, yeah, the guy's exactly. carrying the camera, and all of a sudden he can't keep up with the guy running out of the screen. 
That's Adonis Curry. Uh, Malik Austin. Bobby, Bobby, you, know, you also know when it's a fast family, a sister signed with Arizona State is a sprinter. She's a freshman yeah. at Arizona State. <laughs> so yeah, the, he, got his, he got his butt kicked when he was younger in races. Let's be real. <laughs> well, the Newmans, the Newmans uh, can tell us that genes matter as well. Obviously, hey, um, but I, what I was going to say to you also, Jerry, uh, two defensive line offers in the Deep South. Uh, one yeah. of them committed to Auburn already, Malik Autry uh, out of uh, Opelika, Alabama, six five and a half, two sixty, two seventy, 260, I, I believe. And then also a uh, uh, young man out of Warner Robins, uh, Georgia, Isaiah Gibson, uh, who is wanted by the world. Uh, so. Yeah. Texas trying to get in there uh, with, a, with a lot of different guys around the country, not just inside the state boundary. Uh, interesting to me. You have anything e extra on the Adonis Curry offer? Uh, Antoine's asking about that. Jerry. Yeah, he's up in that Lancaster, California area. He's really blown up in January. I mean, he has about every offer now. Uh, like I said, sister uh, runs track at Arizona State. She's a freshman there. A very fast family. Um, so we'll see, you know, we'll see. You get, these kids have to get to campus. Right now we're talking about out-of-state names, but I, I want to say this because I've mentioned this before. Auburn has put all their eggs in the 25 basket on, in defensive line. And they have an unbelievable defensive line class committed right now. One of those is Antonio Coleman from Saraland, uh, one of K.J. Lacey's teammates. He was an Alabama commitment that Auburn flipped. Malik, uh, obviously Malik Autry. These are all top 100 guys in the country we're talking about now. <clears throat> the state of Alabama is loaded at D-line in 25. They have another kid, Jordan Crawford, who's a big-time guy, top 200 kid in the country. Uh, then they have a 330-pound <clears throat> D-tackle from Dyersburg, Tennessee. So Auburn went in all in early on, on these D-linemen in this region. And I can tell you this, the state of Georgia – Absolutely loaded at defensive line in 25. Elijah Griffin out of Savannah is one of the best players in the country. Texas offered Kevin Wynn from Wayne County recently, one of the top D linemen in the country. So uh, Texas is in is trying to get in these battles. And what I'll tell everybody is gird up your loins, baby. It's these are uh, <laughs> these are real deal recruitments where conference championships are decided and sometimes national championships. Yeah. I love it. Speaking of real deals, Bobby, tell folks out there about the deals they can get with the Texas electricity ratings. Yeah, absolutely. For those of y'all still living in Texas and in the major cities with deregulated electricity like Dallas and Houston, you understand that the deregulated electricity market can be confusing. Texas electricity ratings is a shopping website that lets you compare prices, read customer views, and find a good electricity program that fits your needs it also filters out a lot of the gimmicky plans on websites like Power to Choose that trick customers into expensive bills. So you're, if you're in the market for a new electricity plan or want to shop around, shop, uh, shop TexasElectricityRatings.com forward slash OTF for all your electricity needs. Hook them. That's TexasElectricityRatings.com forward slash OTF. Thanks for their sponsorship of the Tuesday morning uh, coffee uh, and football. I also want to say thanks to the Texas uh, uh, State of Mind Coffee Company. Uh, they sent me some coffee called Red Dirt. I love it. Uh, it's uh, just absolutely delicious. Thanks for sending that in as well. Ah, right, Bobby. Well, 
<laughs> I know you empty the notebook, as you yep. said, over on ontexasfootball.com. A lot of team news and notes there. Can you share some of that with people that may have missed that? Yeah, absolutely, Blake. So if you didn't uh, read this yesterday, I, I had a conversation last week uh, with a, a couple of folks, and it went into this weekend even uh, as well, and and just really trying to to talk about a lot of the things that a lot of the different players. Uh, and so I'm going to hit on some of the highlights. Uh, one of them I, I thought was Trey Moore that we talked about last week, uh, that he was just literally just looking fantastic and probably even better than expected. A couple other notes. Uh, Anthony Hill uh, was considered locked in. If that's a, a fair assessment, that's what that's the quote I was given. Uh, one that I didn't expect or two that I didn't expect that uh, maybe were um, better than, than anticipated. Jamon Tapp, uh, this person felt like he was coming on, uh, becoming a smarter player, not just a physically gifted player. And then Billy Walton, uh, the true sophomore now out of uh, South Oak Cliff, they think he looks great and a really great athlete and maybe growing into something there. So a couple of those guys I thought was good stuff. Uh, Alex January, I was told he's going to play this year. I uh, don't know exactly you where that is. Add to that, Bobby. Yeah. So Alex January, obviously, I, I talked to multiple coaches that played against Duncanville yesterday. One head coach predicted he'll be an NFL player. They thought he was really, really good as a senior this year. Uh, very much improved. Kind of goes back to what we said. He didn't play kind of one high school coach said waste time on a high school baseball field. <laughs> so he had a spring before his senior year. He had spring, he had the off season program, and then he really blossomed as a senior. He was a district defensive MVP in a district with about, I don't know, 35 division, future division one players, and including Colin Simmons, who had some injury issues, but the Keelan Abrams kid who sacked Duncanville five, six times in a game. So Alex January was the uh, defensive line MVP or defensive MVP of that district. And that is saying something. Elijah Barnes in that district, that is saying something in that district. So he got some really good reviews from coaches in the district yesterday. I'll also, somebody asked about Aaron Butler. I, I, I know Bobby's had stuff on Aaron Butler. I talked to somebody Sunday uh, uh, that uh, is familiar with Aaron Butler and how he's doing said very, very quick. Very, very elusive, very quick player at wide receiver. A uh, couple other notes, uh, and I mentioned this already, Jalen Gilbo getting some reps at corner. Uh, if if y'all hadn't heard that, uh, some other things, um, Brandon Baker and Daniel Cruz, both of those guys, uh, high, high end prospects. Yeah. Baker in particular is considered a freak athlete for his size at offensive tackle. Daniel Cruz, the thing that, that I was told about both of those guys, First of all, they mentioned Kelvin Banks in the same breath as Brandon Baker. And they said not necessarily from a play style or whatever, because they haven't put the pads on yet, right, Jerry? But yeah. from an off-field and on-field demeanor, he's all business. Yeah. And that was one of the things that stuck out when Kelvin Banks showed up on campus. Immediately just took a different level of profession. Professionalism is not the right word, but you know, you guys know when somebody comes to not mess around yeah, and right. they're 18, 17, 18 years old, they take things a little bit differently. That's Brandon Baker. They also like what the same way they said the same thing about Daniel Cruz. 
which I thought was very interesting and plays into Jerry, what we've talked about with him uh, since his recruiting time. So uh, last one was Derek Williams. Uh, the word love was used, like yeah. love his upside and what he's going to be, uh, not just next year, but in, in what he can become. Apparently, he's a very adaptive learner, Jerry. They think he like absorbs a lot of information yeah. on top of all the athleticism and speed and, uh, you know, willing to, to make contact that he has. So you add all those things together. They think he has the makings of a special player. I had somebody tell me yesterday, Cruz is different mentally. So that guy kind of goes with what you're saying. Um, that doesn't surprise. The Daniel Cruz stuff doesn't surprise me. It, if you're a four-year varsity starter on the offensive line in a 5A or 6A program, you yeah. have capacity and you have some toughness and some physicality to you and some want to. That, that's not easy to do in Texas at a 5A or 6A level being a four-year starter. Uh, on the offensive line. Hey, Jerry, I know you wanted me to bring you're, you're, this up. So I'm going to bring it up for you here. Ah, we were talking about D-line and large humans. That's, uh, that's a picture I took of Zion Williams from Lufkin Saturday at the Sam Mosley relays <laughs> over at, uh, in, in Humble, uh, so or in that area. So, yeah, there's your large human, 6'4 and a half, 325. The shot put looks like a ping pong ball in his hand. So... <laughs> There's Zion from Saturday. I think LSU is 1A and Texas is 1B there. AM's third, TCU's fourth. He's got a T TCU official visit scheduled first weekend in May. He'll be back in Austin uh, at some point this spring. He goes to LSU March 9th, which is their big visit weekend uh, in, nationally for LSU. Got a lot of kids in Texas. Dylan Battle will be there. Uh, Tyler Thomas from Duncan uh, from uh, Dickinson. So uh, that there's Zion. Look at Zion Williams headed in the spring ball. Courtney hey, Garcia, I figured Courtney Garcia might like that one. I, I wanted to uh, push this back uh, real quick to you on uh, Aaron Butler. The news I got for him is he has looked unbelievably athletic and fast and quick and all those things. He's 155 pounds. So he's lighter than Xavier Worthy when Xavier Worthy showed up. So when you start talking about him, yes, he's athletic and yes, he's all that stuff. Realize 155 at this point. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. All right, guys. Well, we have a lot of super chats that we need to get to. So we're going to just start from the top here as Juan. Thank you, Juan, for the super chat. He says, Jerry, is Texas A&M fading in recruiting because Texas is in the SEC? It seems like they are gaining momentum. Is it because of NIL for them now? I am just seeing A&M not being second fiddle to Texas. Um, I'm, Let me think about what that uh, that part is. I don't see – I'm not sure AM's fading. I, look, I think AM's set up to very much compete in the college football world. Um, if they don't sign top 10 classes, I would consider it somewhat of a C or D for them. Uh, I, Texas AM should be assigning top 10 classes um, in today's day and age of college football. Uh, now, 
Where is that if Texas is a top five class every year? There you go. Is it enough to win? Sure it is. Um, Michigan's recruit classes weren't always ranked in the top 10, but they did a great job of evaluating and developing players. Uh, but I do think, look, here's the one thing I said. A&M had that window when they moved to the SEC, Manziel won the Heisman, Kyler Murray, Kyle Allen, all those guys went there. Then that blew up. But after that, when Jimbo was hired, and, and they were playing Clemson, Georgia, Alabama every year, and they're playing those games tight, right? They're competitive. They're great home field environment, nationally televised games. And they started recruiting really well in their Jimbo Fisher. They had a window. And then they had the 9-1 and one COVID season where they finished in the top five, I think it was. They had a real opportunity there. They were becoming, I call it a cool school. When you would talk to kids, you would hear AM mention first, second, third um, at, at times with more kids than you had in the past. Uh, so I, I, they did not make the most of that window of opportunity to me. That doesn't mean they won't have another window. But with what Texas did last year and Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC, it's definitely changed uh, things when you talk to kids. And, and and, and who's mentioned first? I mean, your schools that I'm hearing right now on the road or just talking to kids in the state of Texas. I mean, you're hearing Texas. Georgia's recruiting in, in, in the state of Texas. You hear Ohio State and you hear a lot of Oregon. The, I mean, those are really the four. Now, it was Alabama, but um, at LSU, you hear mentioned a lot as well, right? Um, so those are really, and USC is really trying in Texas. They're putting a lot of effort and time in Texas. So you hear a lot of help, USC kids want to go visit USC, right? They want to go to LA. They want that experience, Bobby. They want to go visit Oregon. Uh, but I think when it gets real, not that Oregon doesn't have success, you hear the schools that I hear are Texas, Ohio State, Georgia, if they want to, if, if they are after a kid. So th those are the schools I'm hearing most. And Oklahoma is, is being mentioned, obviously. Yeah, I've, I've got to say this. I mean, uh, Texas is interesting because they have, they're recruiting the whole state. So there are pockets where in South Dallas, you may hear Oregon a lot, yes. right? You may, you may hear LSU a lot there and even Oklahoma. Whereas in Houston, it's LSU, Oklahoma, A&M. That's the, that's the interesting thing and always has been for me with the, with the state of Texas. Texas is recruiting the entire state. They really are. The Longhorns are. And they're not minimizing any area. So they're they're paying attention to East Texas. They're paying attention to Dallas and Houston. Now, they may not be getting all those players, but you see guys kind of shift around. And so Texas, as it relates to A&M right now, I, I agree with Jerry, Jerry. They missed their window, period. They missed their window. Now they're re, now they're re jiggering what they have to get it to a position where they can compete again. They will be able to compete because of NIL. The question is whether or not Mike Elko is going to be the right person for them to do that. He hasn't proven that he's that level of head coach. And that's going to be interesting because he's gone out and hired an offensive coordinator that he knows nothing about and hasn't worked with. Him. Okay. So all of that to say, and from, from what I'm getting at, is AM's lagging a little bit behind. They don't have the sheen or the the you know the they were they weren't in the college football playoffs like Texas. They didn't have a Heisman Trophy winner like LSU. Yeah. Brent Venables has a little bit more sheen on him at, at Oklahoma right now, turning that program around. So 
Yeah, I, I don't know if fading is the right word because I do think that they're going to be competitive, but they're not where they were just three years ago. That, when they beat Alabama, when they beat Alabama at home, and Jimbo was the first assistant to beat Nick Saban, they had some juice. Yeah, that was on the road. The, what, oh, they no, had some real juice in recruiting. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I live in live in rent free in Texas. Uh, I agree. Oregon. Well, he had another comment. Oregon is a cool school to kids, and I call it cool school. And I do it for a reason. Oregon is a cool school. It's the Nike. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to give Dan Landing credit though. That guy works in recruiting as a head coach. Like I was at a Galveston ball basketball game, and Dan Landing was there the whole game. Not show your face, make sure Jonah Williams sees you. And then you hit you hit the door. He was there the entire game. Um, so Dan Landing, and when you talk to people, he puts his effort in recruiting, especially at Oregon, as much as he has to travel nationally. It, 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 he may not have a peer as far as that goes, because the time spent on an airplane and away from your family and away from the university and away from Oregon, you know, he he, he is spending a lot of time in the deep south recruiting. Florida all the way to Texas. Hey, he's doing a good job. The problem with Oregon, even though they are a cool school because the uniforms and all that stuff, and it will always be this problem, is it's great because the players get all this notoriety and stuff. The parents can't get up there to see the kids play without right. taking two days off of work. That's the and issue. so that is Oregon's perpetual problem. They, they're not in a seat of – uh, a situation where you can even drive to it if you're from Texas. Like Nebraska used to get all these players from Texas, and yeah, it, it just took them a long time to drive to Nebraska. There ain't no drive into Portland, Oregon. No. It ain't even Portland. It's an hour and a half away from Portland once you get there. And so that that's the problem with Oregon generally, and it's not just in Texas. It's anywhere they recruit. It's that way. Yeah. So they have to they have – to, their coaches have to go the extra mile – in recruiting because it's just so hard for kids to, if their parents want to see them play. Just so, so hard. Right, this next super chat is from UT boy. Thank you, UT boy. And he says, good morning, family. Bobby, what are the plans for the spring game? Hook on. Uh, so as of right now, I'm, I'm actually expected to go down uh, and, and be around there in early March. And I'm going to set up an area for us to have a little get together. Prior to the spring game, Jerry and I will be doing our little pregame tailgate prior to the game. And then we're going to go over there and hopefully as a group, everybody that wants to join us can go and watch the spring game with us. That's the that's the goal for for me. And uh, I've got some friends that I every year. This is one of my trips that I take is the spring game. And me and uh, four or five, six of my college buddies, uh, we all rent a house and go out and hang out together. And uh, you guys are more than welcome to attend at the game uh, and the pregame. I'm, I'm thinking either Crown and Anchor or the Posse uh, will be the place, hopefully, pregame. And then one other super chat, fellas, from Blake. And he says, on the road driving through small towns, what's the best small town prospect you've ever seen? Less than 5,000 people. My answer is James Washington, Stanford. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, one I didn't see, obviously, and – uh, his, his, his life was really cut short, but I hear David Overstreet was unbelievable out of Big Sandy. Yeah, that was really, I, really, I, I saw him vaguely. You know, I he was playing at Alabama. Uh, Lovey Smith was on his high school team, by the way. 
Yeah. At Big Sandy. I mean, that that's uh, you know, David was a first round draft pick uh of the Miami Dolphins out of Oklahoma. Uh got killed at a when a car hit a uh uh gas pump. Yeah. And he was standing, he was sitting there as a yeah. rookie before he even uh played yeah. a game for the Dolphins. So that's my memory of David Overstreet, just a sad deal all around. Smallest best. You know, how big is Winsboro, Louisiana? Can somebody look that up? On it. Uh, so while, while Blake's looking that up, my, my father would say Billy Sims. Yeah, yeah, from Hooks. Is Friends, Hooks would beat, Friends would beat Hooks in the 73 state title game. Uh, obviously, I wasn't alive for but I, apparently the, the, uh, the, old, the old history on that one is uh, Hooks drove the ball down inside the 10 and decided to throw it three times the game on the line and not hand it off to Billy Sims. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bobby, your analysis, Friendswood State Championship. Go ahead. Your your Winsboro's barely going to get in. That's a population of four thousand eight hundred and sixty-two, so it will qualify for the question. Okay, so there's a there's a pro football announcer that everybody knows, a college football analyst that everybody knows, uh, named Booger McFarland. Oh yeah. And I went and drove through. You know, it was what forty miles off the road of uh, I twenty. Uh, down in uh, Winsboro, Louisiana, because a coach told me, hey, I think there's an offensive guard that you might want to go check out. And so I went and checked out this offensive guard that ended up being an NFL, what, 10-year NFL guy at defensive tackle. And I I met Booger McFarlane in a high school health class. (laughs) So I got coach took me over there to see him and said, you can talk to Booger. He, it was... um, he was not as gregarious then as he is now. <laughs> he was very shy. He's like the first person that ever interviewed him. Uh, but I thought he, for for a small school guy out in the middle of nowhere, I'm probably forgetting people. But what? Well, well, um, how many? What's Freer's population? Because Steve McMichael's on that list. If yeah, Freer was, I never Freer saw. Was, I mean, Freer was definitely under five thousand people when he 2. came. Two point seven. Huh? Two thousand seven hundred. Not yeah. there. Yeah, it was probably a thousand when he came through there. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, uh, Adrian Peterson, Palestine, I think, is in the twenty thousand range. That's a little bigger um, there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a great it's a great topic. So many running backs from small East town, Texas towns, is what's oh. crazy to me. When you go look at the history of it, how many tremendous running backs? Zach Thomas, Pampa. That's a good one. The Pampa Harvesters. Aren't they bigger uh, than 5,000, though? I don't. I, I know this. I Pampa would have to be more than 5,000. Yeah, 16,000. They were a 4A program at that time. when he came. Yeah, I was a 000. senior at Texas um, when Zach Thomas was coming out, and they literally they brought the tape in of Zach Thomas. And Colt McCoy is a good one. Um, they, they brought the tape in, and literally he made every tackle. Yeah. Like it was, remember Derek Johnson made every tackle. When you watch his film, there, I mean, literally Derek Johnson in one game made 30 tackles. Uh, that was against John Tyler. Alan Wilson and I were talking about this yesterday. <laughs> There's a funny story with this, by the way, not to cut you off. So he said, literally, he was cussing up, ranting, raving on the sidelines. Who, we can't block this guy. We see him. He's right in front of us. We can't do anything with him. 
He said, then we had a drive where he moved it down the field and scored. And he went over to his coach. He said, what did, what changed? What did y'all do? He said, the linebacker is off the field. He got hurt. <laughs> he said, but he said, then they won the game. They beat Waco High because Derek Johnson was too athletic. He hurdled a lead blocker on a, a sweet play. He hurdled the lead blocker, and that took him out of position to make the tackle. He said he was actually too athletic, and that's why John Tyler won the game. He hurdled the lead blocker, barely got his hand on the running back who turned the corner and scored. So we got Jonathan Brooks is another one. Eric Small Dickerson. Town there, less than 5,000. And then uh, someone just sent me this on Twitter. Tim Samuel says the answer is Leonard Davis. Population. Oh, and Eric Dude, I've, got, I've got some Leonard Davis stories now. Oh, gosh. I, so my, my favorite Leonard Davis story, if y'all, I mean, six foot five, 360 before there were huge humans, right? Um, like he was, he was 20 years before his time in that regard, in my opinion. I went up to Wortham. And the coach said, when did you know you were going to, I asked him, when did you know Leonard was going to be a special, going to be special? And Wortham was a 1A school at the time. And you know what he told me? He said, seventh grade. I go, how did you know in seventh grade? Well, we had an ice box, one of those old school ice boxes that had every, that had to be moved and nobody could move it. And in seventh grade, they asked Leonard to help. And Leonard didn't need help moving the icebox. <laughs> he did it himself. He's high school. And, then, and then as a high school senior, he's returning kicks at 6'5", 360. <laughs> his, his high school highlight video his senior year is still funny. They used to be the old recruits in review that Craig Way voiced over. He was playing middle linebacker and literally just clotheslining people. <laughs> you remember that, Bobby? He would just play. He couldn't get to him outside the tackles. So he just clothesline him. He just stick his arm out. I mean, I saw him at the state basketball tournament. His feet were unbelievable for his size. Just unbelievable. Uh, somebody asked about wide receivers I like in Texas. I wanted to get to that. I, uh, Blake Lockett, Kelshawn Johnson, I love both those guys. Obviously, DK Moore is the top guy. Um, I, I love those two guys. I, I think they're both very high-end guys. What about Andrew, Andrew Marsh? We're getting a lot I of questions Marsh, about him. Marsh is Texas likes him. I think Marsh is really good. I, I have him behind those guys, though. I, I think Kelshawn Johnson, he's, he's Kelshawn's smaller. Um, you know, he's an inch and a half shorter version of Xavier Worthy to me, but he's got such acceleration, change of direction. Um, that he can truly quick, explosive, and can run. I mean, he'll run 10-6, 10-7 the spring. He doesn't train for track. He doesn't do anything. He goes from football to basketball to track. Uh, I think DK Moore is special. Obviously, Corey Moore is special. I think Philippe Lockett is uh, very, very good. Uh, we'll take some more recruiting questions. Uh, and let's start with this one from if my screen will, screen will quit jumping around. Uh, Dorian Brew from Roger G. He says, where does Texas stand with Brew? Are they still top two? And is he planning a visit in the spring? Um, yeah, I, that uh, I, nothing's changed on my end from that. I hear uh, Texas is still doing very well with Dorian Brew, and he is expected back in the spring. Uh, will that be spring game? Will that be before? We'll see. Official visit in June, definitely expected. Um, I, I think Ohio State's still in it, maybe faded a little bit. 
uh, USC will be in it. I think LSU is going to end up being in it. Obviously, his father uh, was a great sprinter there um, and then ran in the Olympics. His mom was in the Ohio State Track Hall of Fame or just Athletic Hall of Fame. But I think Texas is in a good spot there. Somebody, uh, By the way, somebody also said Tony Bracken's out of Fairfield for small-town guys. What a great athlete. I saw him running the basketball court, Jerry. If you want to see, you want to talk about imposing, watching Tony Brackens play basketball against guys. I mean, it was, he was, I mean, he could, he could do any, I mean, his elbow went above the rim. Yeah. And he's a defensive end. I mean, that's just, and he's a little small school, tremendous player. Hmm. We got this question here from VFL TexX, and just going back to the triplets earlier that you're talking about, Jerry, as I bring the picture up there for you. Oh. He says, is Texas going to offer all three of them? You know, I, I think Isaiah is going to be a little bit uh, – he may be the lower power five guy. I mean, look how small he is in that picture, of course. Um, I, I I don't think Texas will offer him at, on D-line in this class. I think Texas is just looking for bigger bodies in the SEC. But uh, Isaiah is a very good player. A very good player. And so, by the way, all three squatted 500 plus yesterday. Jeez. And Jordan <laughs> Jordan topped out at 600 at the end of the day. I, I it was actually really cool. The whole team was around them, jumping up and down. They all had their cell phones out. It was it was pretty cool. Well, uh, speaking of cool, Jerry, can you tell folks out there how they can stay cool with Manscaped? Yeah, yeah, you know, for sure. Col Colton uh, led me into this question beautifully with a comment, but uh, look, it's time for Manscaped. 2024 is here in full swing, and that means it's time for a New Year's resolution check-in with our friends at Manscaped. Newsflash, guys, it's never too late to level up your grooming game and keep your bush tame. Manscaped's new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is every man's cheat code to look good, feel good, and turn the page on confidence this year. Whether you're going for that trim or that clean-shaven look, the tr this trimmer has you covered. Trusted by over 10 million men worldwide and growing, now is your time to get a grip on grooming with your our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code ONTEXAS, all caps, for 20% off plus free shipping. Hey, guys, the ball is dropped. Don't drop the ball on your balls. And thanks to our friends at Manscaped for being a sponsor of today's show. And uh, let's take some team-related questions, and we'll circle back to recruiting. Troy Kelly says, since Silas Bolden is still at Oregon State right now, does Texas send him workout plans and diet plans for him to use, or how does that work? Uh, we actually talked. Yeah, you we talked to him. Yeah, we talked to him, and he said he does get stuff. Yeah. So he's he's uh it, some of it we talked off air, but he basically said that he gets all that stuff, and he's doing everything they're asking him to. Uh, he still has access to the Oregon State workout facilities as well because he's on scholarship there through the end of the semester. Uh, but uh, look, I. After talking to him, I would be highly surprised, highly, highly surprised if he is not following things to a T and doing things he's supposed to be doing. I mean, he sounded like a guy that was uh, ready to ready to pounce, if that makes sense. Uh, he, I felt like he was one that was going to take advantage of whatever opportunities he had. Uh, and maybe that's because he's always been the underdog, so he's always had to look out for that kind of stuff as a five foot eight wide receiver. I, I think there's some some legitimacy to that kind of thinking, where 
if you're you you already know you're playing from behind, you've got to actually amp up. Rod Babers talks about this all the time. Rod was not a five foot eleven cornerback. He was five foot nine, five foot ten. And he knew he had to be perfect. And so he took every opportunity and advantage he could to be that way. And I think I think something can be said for that uh, overall. And Silas Bolden, I think, is, is that way as, as well. This next question from William A. Jones says, do you all know if there's an updated roster with the New Jersey numbers? There's not one on the Texas site yet. Any idea when that might come out, though? Usually comes out um, around the time spring ball starts. So I remember... Uh, John Bianco, Thomas Stepp, the sports information directors at the University of Texas, will hand out a roster sheet that week prior to spring practice when there's a couple of open practices. Um, and so that's generally the time frame when the guys are assigned numbers. Some of them may, may already know it right now, but not in mass yet. It'll probably happen right either before or after spring break uh, before the uh uh, spring practice begins. And then Ben wants to know, who is the player this season that we cannot afford to get hurt? Everybody knock on wood. Jerry, who is that for you? Because I, you know, I I, I, I think I may go with Jade Barron. And um, I know that's a weird, a weird one to go with, given that they have some depth in the secondary. But he meant so much to them last year when he went out. He was kind of like the glue, that position of nickel in the Texas secondary. That may be a maybe one. I, I would also add maybe a guy like Anthony Hill, who I believe is so far ahead of everybody else as a linebacker and as a disruptor. That could be really, really hurtful. Um, I'm going Kelvin Banks because he's a I think he's a surefire All-American on this team, and he's a left tackle. And Trevor Goosby's going to be a really good player. I, I, I think, though, Kelvin Banks, you move into the SEC and you have a three-year starter now. What will be a three-year starter at left tackle? And those guys are very few and far between that are projected to be first-round picks and project the blindside of your quarterback in a league with grown men on the defensive end position and edge position. I'm Kelvin Banks all the way. <clears throat> All right. This next question. Oh, by the way, small town guy. Somebody put in the comments. We've had so much going on. A great call, Devonte Smith. Oh, from Was Amy. Amy. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how many people are in uh, Amy. Blake, you can look it up, but I'm guessing it's less than five thousand. Yeah. Right down the street from where another great small towner came from, Brittany Spears. All right. <laughs> She's from a town of less than five thousand, and maybe made it big. Oh, goodness. I'll look that up while y'all answer this next question. Ivory Martin says, is it safe to say with the structure of this roster depth-wise, this is the most competitive spring in a long time? Yes. Look, yeah. I, I, I think it's the most anticipated spring since 04 for Texas. Um, I mean, it, you've recruited three straight top five classes. You shopped very well in the portal again. Um, I mean, three guys from Alabama who are on a playoff team are now in Texas. That's just how rare is that, right? Um, and two of those guys are going to be draft picks next year. They were so, starters. They were yeah. starters. Yes. I mean, you know, so Quinn coming back year three. 
It's the most you're going to see of Arch since he's been at Texas this spring. The spring game will be the most, most Texas fans have seen of Arch. Um, the young guys really fighting to the, to the point of the uh, comment. There's young guys that really need to have good springs. Um, you know, I, I, I talked to uh, the North Crowley staff about Samaje Burrell yesterday. I asked how he was doing. Said, great, hearing good things about him. He's ready to compete this spring. And that's where these kids' heads have to be at. That, I mean, it, you have to be ready to go. I mean, it, I'm not going to say you have a two-year window, but some some positions there is a two-year window because of the portal that you really have to start making a move. Um, and uh, so I, I, I think these guys, I mean, somebody asked about Connor Stroh earlier. Connor Stroh is one of the strongest guys in the program. I, the This young offensive line group, that 23 class, is going to have to exercise some patience. But I've heard really good things about those guys. Trevor Goosby, Chapman, Stroh. You go down the list, Kojo's finally – he's getting closer to 18 years old, I think, finally. Um, they, those guys are all doing very well at Texas. It, it, these kids are going to have their patience tested and their competitiveness tested. And the, you don't get to be a football player at Texas without being competitive on some level, right? But now is the time to take it to another level uh, because there is big-time competition. Hey, there's always been competition. It's yeah. hyper-competitive now. And that's why when when they ask that question, I think there's a lot of truth in that. I mean, they've got to be hyper competitive right now and willing to to take that next step. I'm I'm interested, Jerry, in a couple of positions. Everybody wants to talk about wide receiver and where that's going to look. It, even the offensive line, like with Cam Williams and whether Hayden Connor is going to be the left guard, all that stuff. Look, secondary. Who's the backups? I mean. What is that? I and mean, they've got so many different guys and mutations now with Andrew Makuba coming in. The edge guys, what are they going to do with Trey Moore? How is he going to integrate with Billy Walton apparently having a good time or, or good good uh, workouts as well as uh, Jamon Tapp, Ethan Burt? Where, where does Justice Finkley fit in all this? Yeah. Right? Baron Sorrell is going to be a starter. So there are just a lot of different places where – I think the competitiveness of the position has been increased. It's no longer just competitive. Like, like I said, it's hyper competitive. That's, that's, uh, that's what I think is going to be interesting. You look at uh, running backs, another great, a great call, right? I mean, what, y yes, you know, blue and backs are probably your one, two, but Trey Weiser is a good running back, Jerry. You know, we need to see what the young guys can do there too. So. And Jared Gibson. Jared Gibson's physically ready to take on uh, a Texas linebackers in the hole. I can tell yep. you that. So yep. he comes in ready to roll. Christian Clark, that I've said this before, and I'm going to keep saying this because I think it speaks to the kid. It, it's not easy to be a midterm graduate in high school in Arizona. That's not a normal thing. Um, we had Santana Wilson on the show the other night. That, I don't know if he mentioned that, but – it, it, you got to go through a lot of hoops. So you really have to be a laser-focused kid and really have some goals. Not that Santana doesn't, but just to Christian Clark, speaking as Christian Clark, not many guys graduate high school early in Arizona. He had to go through a lot of hoops to get, to get that done, to get to Texas early because he wanted to go compete. I mean, says a lot for that kid who's already talented. By the way, the population – Earlier, y'all were asking is 4,141. So, what about Kentwood, Louisiana? That's where Britney Spears is from. Oh, gosh. <laughs> 5,002. 
<laughs> Jerry, you're so bad, dude. 2,198, Jerry. Look at you. She may be the biggest small town star of all. Uh, what's the girl from Bahia? The one that was from Bahia that married the oh, old Bobby. That's uh, what Anna Nicole Smith. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> right, back to football because we have a here from Oh, we're getting on a roll. Small town stars. <laughs> uh, somebody asked about uh, Malik, uh, Malik Murphy and Duke, and uh, Live Rent Free said that correctly. He Malik committed the Manny Diaz. He must have watched the BYU games. All right. <laughs> Jay Lee, it's all about setting the, the quarterback chat. free, Jerry. It's all about setting the quarterback free. <laughs> Jay Lee says, how would you compare OU's roster start of year three under Venables versus where Texas roster was at the start of year three under Sark? That's a good question. I think there's some similarities. I, I, I think that that's, that's uh, obvious. I think OU's a little more defense heavy and Texas probably a little bit more offense heavy. If you want to know the truth, that's, yeah, I mean, OU has their quarterback. They think, I don't know that he's Quinn Ewers, right? Or Arch Manning. Right. Um, but I, I think, I think there's some, you know, they're both elite programs or elite blue bloods. And I think that, Venables has made a little bit more run on defense than he has on offense. That's how I would say, and vice versa for Texas, at least initially. Now Texas is going into that area where they're overall doing it. Yeah, I would say I would say this. I think uh, I agree with what Bobby said. I think what's so interesting, and I know the question was about roster, but roster and situation. Brent Venables is going into the SEC with a first-year starting quarterback and a brand-new offensive line. That is – so roster, I know somebody just asked strictly about roster, but, man, just think about the differences for Sark in year three and Brent Venables in year three. That's a lot. Oh, by the way, Jason Peters, Queen City, great one, Gary Clayton. Oh, Lionel Richie, Tuskegee, Alabama, that's a great one, Colton. That's a small-town star. It's the pop culture segment. Right here on On Texas Football. <laughs> and uh, UT Tyler Guy says, who on Texas roster could finish the season as the SEC first team standout? A lot of that depends on if you where you finish in the league. But Kelvin Banks, I think, has a real chance at left tackle. Quinn Ewers has a real chance at quarterback. Yeah. Uh, him, Carson Beck, Jackson yeah. Dark, the three in the conversation at the end of the year. Um, Anthony Hill's probably got a shot if he yeah. builds off last year at linebacker, got a shot. Um, first secondary. team all SBC or just all conference, there's a little bit of difference. I mean, first if you're, if, I'll be honest, if you're talking first team all, all SEC, you're talking about a guy likely a first round pick, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's you know, all Big 12 is not the same as all SEC. Quinn, Isaiah Bond, maybe Nye Black as a receiver, Jerry. I mean, who, you know, the Georgia tight end is going to be up there. Oscar Delt, for sure. Yeah. Georgia. Interesting. I, that's a good question. Yeah. Really good question. Uh, Bird Auburn, does he have a shot? Uh, of course. Uh, UT Tyler guy. 
Would you take the over or under at one and a half Texas receivers hitting 1,000 receiving yards this year? Under. I took. If you took it this year, you would have been under. They had pretty good receivers this year. And as Rod Babers says, the circle of trust may expand this season. So I, I would take the under. Right, before we move on to the next question, Bobby, why don't you tell folks out there about Texas Electricity Ratings? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our friends at Texas Electricity Ratings have sponsored on Texas football and coffee. And football. Uh, for anyone shopping for electricity in the deregulated areas of Texas, TexasElectricityRatings.com is the best place to find a great electricity plan for your household. For starters, it filters out the dangerous and gimmicky plans from providers that are all hat and no cattle when it comes to your monthly bill. You can shop by rate, but also by an average bill feature that actually takes into account your seasonal usage to give you a real number and not just some placeholder. So if you're looking for a new electricity plan, check out TexasElectricityRatings.com forward slash OTF for the best options available. Book them. That's TexasElectricityRatings.com forward slash OTF. Okay, guys, we're going to move on to the next question here. And uh, it is from King Me. He says, y'all thoughts on the coaches to players headset being possible in 2024? Connor Stallions changed the game. Give him credit <laughs> on the way out the door. Hey, did we ever get a cameo from him? So I didn't send a message asking, but I haven't heard back yet. That's enough. Okay, so we Connor Stallions, we were going to get get him to to come on the show and give us a little cameo. Pay, spend a what what was he asking for a cameo? Like fifty bucks or something it like that? Do you remember seventy five? Oh, what, really? We thought it would be valuable enough to, to everyone to hear from Connor Stallions. Sixty bucks. Yeah. And what we was the code for fifteen percent off? So we'll get six dollars or well nine dollars off. So fifty one dollars. Texas, we have our eye on you. <laughs> that's what that's what it was going to be. We tried, no, to no avail. But I think headsets, I, long time coming. Uh, I think it's awesome. I think it's great. I think it's uh, look at uh, Rod Baker's jokes about it. And I love it. I've seen enough of the different colored signs, different colored shirt, coaching shirts. Uh, uh, the last a lifetime. Uh, let's let's change this for the better. All right, this next question here is from the Schlonghorn. I just want to let him know. I'm, he says, good morning from Lumberton, Texas. Any idea if the baseball games this weekend will be televised or streamed? I do think they're going to be streamed on YouTube on the Houston Astros official channel, but I'm working to confirm where exactly they're going to be. And then Sonny Verma says, newer members of Longhorn Nation, and just want to say it's been a pleasure starting my mornings with you guys and learning as much as I can. Hey, thanks, Sonny. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Blake, uh, they're they're down in Houston this weekend. The the baseball team so, uh, give give folks a little taste of what they're doing, uh, so that if they want to go out to to the Juice Box Minute Maid and see what's going on, they can uh, with the with the Longhorns. Yeah, so going to learn a lot about this Texas baseball team this weekend. Uh, they are starting off on Friday, uh, seven p.m. against LSU. Then they'll play Saturday against Texas State, which is always usually a pretty tough outing regardless. And then um, on Sunday, they will play Vanderbilt that morning at 11 a.m. So 
you know, Vanderbilt's had some struggles early on, uh, but LSU, a very solid team. So we'll, we'll, we'll learn a lot. We'll get to see, you know, what exactly they're made of because that's not Houston Christian. That's not Cal Poly. You know, those are that's the real deal there. Uh, but they do also have a game tonight, 630, uh, against St. John's. And St. John's is a pretty decent team as well. So uh, then from, from, from St. John's from from Manhattan? Yeah. Like St. John University of St. John or St. John's University in Manhattan. I, yeah, the Red Storm, New York Red Storm. Uh, but once they finish up that LSU Texas State Vanderbilt, it doesn't get any easier. They turn around and play a in my opinion, a top five Texas A&M team a week from yeah, today. This year right here. Hey, by the way, um, there's another uh, game tonight we need to mention. Texas basketball's last trip to Lubbock. And, man, if you were on Twitter yesterday, uh, boy, it, 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 it feels like Chris Beard was, is still coaching Texas from the looks of that. I mean, it's going to be uh, – wear your batting helmet or hard hat to that <laughs> game if you're going as a Texas fan tonight. <laughs> Uh, well, we'll see what happens. And of course, we'll talk about it tomorrow morning. <laughs> it lets you give the rundown on that. Uh, we got another question from William A. Jones. He says, do y'all think the gauntlet of the SEC schedule will keep this team focused every week? I think that that's part of it. But I mean, I think Sark has to figure that out himself, right? And the one thing I will add that I do suspect is different in the SEC is Texas isn't going to be the hunted every single week. Like in the Big 12, everybody could make their year, or that would be one of their high points of the year is playing Texas. So I, I'm not saying that that won't change. That won't still be the case to some degree. But Mississippi State has a rival in Ole Miss, right? They're not – Kentucky cares about beating Tennessee and – I mean – they have different teams, right, that aren't going to just be focused on Texas. And so I do think that that changes the uh, outlook and the context of the situation. Uh, but th there will be times uh, where that's going to be tested. I, I think that's – I don't know that the SEC does that necessarily, um, as it is just Steve Sarkeesian in the culture of the football team naturally. Texas, I mean – we can say what they want, but they did not have a good game against Houston. Coming off the OU loss, right? That was a bad game for Texas. Then they, you know, K-State went into overtime, even though they had Malik Murphy at quarterback. I, what I'm saying here is I feel like this was not – 2023 was not a perfect year for Texas. They still have some growing up mentally they can do as a program. Not, not much, obviously but a little to be more consistent week after week after week. I would say, I would say this too. I think if Texas had gone nine and three last year, going into the SEC, that would have been one thing, but beating Alabama, then going to the playoff, Georgia, not making the playoff amps it up a little bit for Texas in year one. Uh, but, but it, there's this too. Kentucky has built-in rivals for years, right? I mean, so now Arkansas and AM, no. Florida has Miami and Florida State, right? Now Georgia's certainly going to be up for the game in Texas, especially if Texas beats Michigan and rolls in an undefeated with one loss, right? Um, but I think there's so many built-in long-term rivalries in that conference. 
I think people would will relish the opportunity to knock off big, big bad newcomer Texas. Uh, but I, I'm not sure it's going to be like what you'll see in the Texas Tech basketball arena tonight. I, I don't expect to see that very often. What? That the tech basketball game was it two years ago or a year ago? It was one of the worst scenes I've seen in college sports. Yeah, I mean it's just ridiculous. Okay, guys, we're gonna do this. The last question before we get out of here, Zach Ramsey, and he says, in your opinion, who's the most underrated recruit we got this year? Jordan Washington, maybe, on that list for me, the tight end from Langham Creek, who I think is a tremendous scheme fit and has the athleticism to win in the SEC at that position. Uh, Christian Clark wasn't ranked as highly as he probably, Bobby and I think he should have been nationally. Um, I can't say Daniel Cruz, Christian Kruger, because I've been on that one for too long. Um, Alex January, from a ranking standpoint, was underrated. If you just talk to people and watch, actually watch the tape. Um, you got anybody else, Bobby? I'm looking through the list right now. I, it's got to be Alex January for me. Definitely. I mean, there's just no nobody's even close on that. Maybe, maybe, um, Nate Kibble, but we haven't seen him yet. But Alex January, Jordan Washington ended up actually ranked fairly high. One, uh, I, I would have gone if it would have been early in the season. I would have gone with him or and or Trey Owens, but they both ascended the rankings as the year went on. Jerry, I, I would I would probably go with Alex January based on what I've been told too. So I've, I've got the opportunity of a little hindsight yeah. here. Uh, so I would go with Alex January. Okay, guys. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of Coffee and Football presented by Texas Electricity Ratings. I want to thank them along with Manscaped for sponsoring today's show. Be sure to head on over to ontexasfootball.com to get your latest recruiting information, team news, and more. Both Bobby and Jerry, along with CJ, have posted a lot of good stuff there over the last 24 hours, and you definitely do not want to miss that. And if you haven't already, please hit that like and subscribe button. We would appreciate it. Ring the bell so you're notified anytime and every time a video is posted right here on the On Texas Football YouTube channel. So for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Travel safe, guys. Jerry. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.